Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. And welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host Daryl Amy here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Uh, you know, same old, same old. Just right after Thanksgiving, so then I'm just staring at a big fat turkey gut right now. But outside <laughs> of that, I'm yeah, great. I know this is the time of year, right? You've got to finish out strong. You've got to finish Q4. You got to lose the weight from Thanksgiving, just in in anticipation of the next holiday. But this is this is a great time to be in sales. And uh, I'm extremely excited about the guests that we have here today. Um, and so, by the way, if you're new to the Selling from the Heart podcast, welcome. You've joined a community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, doing the hard work. We call it Selling from the Heart. And Larry, we've got someone here with us today that I think is uh, going to be a fantastic uh, guest, uh, definitely a kindred spirit. Um, why don't you introduce Andy and we'll dive right in. Well, since you already did, no, I'm just I'm just kidding, Andy. <laughs> but I, I always tell people, you know, who listen to the podcast, you meet some of the coolest down-to-earth people on social if you just stay true to who you are. And, and that's kind of how I met Andy. I, I kind of like Andy just because he's got the same name as my son. So that's kind of cool. But uh, we, we've had some great conversations around selling from the heart and being human. And, you know, Andy's just, like you said, a kindred spirit, just down to earth. So without further ado, I want to welcome Andy Paul to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Welcome, Andy. Guys, thanks for having me. No, it's, it's awesome. And, and uh, I just enjoyed getting to know you. And, and uh, you know, we always ask our first guest a really simple question. And I know that you're going to nail this. So no prep time on this one. Andy, no pressure. Yes. You know, what's it what's it mean to you to sell from the heart? Gosh, you guys have, <clears throat> excuse me, I've covered so much of that. But I mean, for me, selling is is about relationships. And I know that in some quarters, that seems old fashioned to say, you know, relationships are important in sales, but they truly are. That's not going away. In fact, I would make the argument, and we can talk about this, is that the ability to connect with another human being on a human level is actually going to become increasingly important as we have more automation and more technology flowing into sales and flowing into business. It's going to be the way you really differentiate yourself. So for me, selling from the heart has always been, especially because I'm, yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I shouldn't have been in the, I shouldn't have had the career I've had, right? I'm a liberal arts major. I was shy, introverted. I sort of fell into sales, ended up, you know, with a history major selling large complex communication systems worth millions of dollars that, you know, I understood sort of from a lay perspective, but certainly not from a technical perspective, selling to some of the world's largest companies. I mean, I just, I look back and think, you know, at every step of the way, why did somebody hire me? And you know, how was I able to succeed? And it, it really comes back to connecting with other people, building trust, building credibility, building a relationship that really is what propelled me throughout my entire career. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting that you say that because I got into a conversation a couple of weeks ago with somebody and I like throwing, you know, one line zingers out there all the time, uh, not to rile people up. It's just because I care about the profession of sales. And, you know, I, I listened to one of the words you said is like technology and relationships. And we lean so heavily, 
heavily on technology that I said, you know, I want to bring back the human aspect of what many have dehumanized mm-hmm. during sales. And I, I mean, I'm all for technology. I'm not a geek when it comes to technology, but I use it. But too many lean on it to build those relationships. And then when they go face to face or phone to ear, however you do it, they fail to just bridge that gap between technology and the art of that relationship. Yeah, well, I think what a lot of people are missing, especially, you know, we have a whole generation, when you say generation, but cohorts of workers coming into the sales force, coming into the workforce who, you know, for them, the word conversation is is any form of communication. It doesn't mean that a person talking to a person, right? I'm mean, going to ask my kids, you know, my son, have you talked to your sister? Oh, yeah, we just talked. Well, you know, they hadn't talked, they had texted, right? Right. And, and so what's happening is, is this cohort of, of new employees think, well, hey, we're going to be able to communicate with our buyers like that, and we're going to be able to do these complex transactions. And that's not the case, right? I mean, you'll build, certainly, I text to prospects, I text to buyers, I use that tool. But the conversation is really a different one when somebody has their job on the line, right? When somebody's making a decision to buy something that has ramifications for them personally, a text isn't going to be good enough. They want to see the whites of your eyes. They want to see who you are. They want to, you know, get to know you and form this connection and feel inspired by you. And that's not going to happen virtually or maybe virtually as, you know, here we are video chatting, but it's not going to happen through text and so on. So, so we have this, this let's say, swelling cohort of people that need to learn these skills. And Absolutely. yeah, it's one of the great things I think about sales is it puts you in a position to have to do that. But obviously we have a, a number of them that are still pretty uncomfortable with it. So they lean on the technology. Yeah. And I think some of us older guys as well, I mean, we, we're used to the face-to-face, but we've got to learn how to integrate in more digital communication into the, the whole scenario as well and have that entire um, conversation, be, be genuine, be meaningful, be personal. Uh, yeah. Really- well, I mean, I think I was, I was just gonna say, I had this conversation just in the last couple of days, actually a couple of times where I'd present to a group a week or so ago and they were talking about how, you know, sales is so different these days. And, <laughs> and there's just, this is an impression that I think, again, sort of the newer, uh, class of people in the in the sales prof- profession think is that somehow in the old days, if you're out in the field selling, that that every time you talk to the customer, you're face to face with them. Right. And <laughs> I was like, no. I mean, I'd give examples of you know million multi million dollar deals I'd sell to customers overseas. Mm-hmm. I'd maybe see them twice in person, three times in person before we signed the deal. Everything else was done on phone and fax, yeah. for goodness sake, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it wasn't a lot different. You just have to make the most of the opportunities you have to personally interact with the buyer. And that's where this connection, this relationship is really important. So uh, I'm curious about Zero Time Sales. And by the way, if you haven't gotten a copy of Zero Time Sales yet by Andy, Paul, you need to definitely uh, hit pause get a copy of that book. I think the premise of that is, is really fascinating in the environment and, and in zero time sales, you know, that kind of a lot of the premise is just give me the information I need. Right. I'm mm. reaching out to you. How do you bridge those two with a buyer that says, um, Hey Andy, that's nice. I, I just need some information. You know, how do you bridge that uh, in that type of environment? What, what have you found in terms of encountering a buyer that just give me the facts, but you know, you also, need and want to build a genuine relationship with that person? 
Well, yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that is one of the tough, tough scenarios. And you see some more of that these days because, again, mm-hmm. buyers have access to so much information. Totally, right. But by the same token is that when people are making decisions, you know, they're looking for validation. No one likes to make decisions alone. That's probably why we see this consensus-based decision-making that they right. and other people talk about. It's, mm-hmm. it's the group protection at one level, right? It's not, we need to have everybody's voice in here. It's like, well, yeah, we want to get people's voices. But if six of us agree, you know, we spread the risk around as well. So it's just one of us decided this is what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even in customers are very brusque is my experience has been is that they do want to have a relationship you know, a working relationship, right? They want to they feel trust in the person they're dealing with. They want to know they have credibility that they can help them. It just takes patience. And I think that's the thing is, even though people don't want to waste a lot of extra time because they don't need to gathering information, mm-hmm. people want this human connection. And surveys talk about it. Buyer, you know, Gartner and their buyer surveys found it. Uh, other buyer surveys, as one I just read this morning from done by somebody in Australia, the human aspect is extremely important. It's not going away. You know, it's interesting because I was reading uh, an article that was published, I think this past weekend in the New York Times, there's a research study, not about sales, but just about our culture in general, that that the, one of the biggest crisis in our, crises in our culture right now is that people are lonely. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting because if you think, you know, as salespeople, we tend to think about need gaps. Customer has this scenario, they have a gap, there's need, you know, all of that. But there's also the the uh, need of the individuals on that that buying team that you're selling to that that um, there's loneliness in our culture right now. There's loneliness inside corporate America for sure. I mean, it's tough, right? And and so the ability to find uh, a genuine relationship in a sales professional that you're working with, I I think that adds value and and um, uh, scratches people where they itch. In, in a culture where we're very lonely. That's an interesting perspective. I, I, I yeah. do agree that, I mean, I've read similar things that, you know, we're so consumed with our screens that we don't interact with the world around us. And then when we look up, it's like, well, hey, I don't know anybody. Yeah. Um, other than through social and, and the like, which is, as you described, not really the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, well, I think it's part of the reason we're in sales, right? I mean, is, you know, we love that interaction. If you're in sales and you don't love the interaction with other human beings, then you've chosen the wrong profession because it's an escapable part of it. Uh, and as I said before, I think it's your ability to succeed has become more dependent on your ability to connect. And, yeah. you know, if you're going to act like a robot, we'll find a robot to replace you. You know, that's, that's the thing that, that is people really have to keep in mind is if you're in an entry-level sales position and and the task is, you know, you're going to make X number of calls a day and you're heavily scripted and you're not adding any value. Well, you're being set up because if you're going to be robotic, I'll get a robot to do it. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and I agree with that. And that's what that's what drives me crazy is this whole robotic approach to building relationships with people is, and I'm a big believer is, you wouldn't treat your personal friends and your family, you know, in a robotic way. So why so why do we why do we treat our clients and prospective buyers in a robotic way? That's just I, I don't know. It just it's something that just fascinates me. With maybe I'm dating myself, but you know I like technology, 
But still, if you just can't build a true relationship with somebody, I, I think you're dead in the water in sales. And I think it's going to be ever more present now than it's ever been. And I think it'll continue to be regardless of what some people may say. Yeah, well, I think, I think part of this comes from a fear of failure that's more pervasive, perhaps, than it was in the past. And, and again, I think encouraged somewhat by technology and just culture in general, you know, sort of the, I'm not, not that huge on this, huge one way or another on this issue, but you know, you hear about the participation trophies and the like and so on, where basically no one can do wrong. Right. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're afraid of being wrong, then the script is a comfort because, hey, this script has been vetted by somebody that must be smarter than I am and more experienced than I am, and they've given this to me. And if I just ask these questions, and if and I'm safe if I do that, and as opposed to the other way, which is, you know, we're not scripted in the way we meet people out in the world, right? It's it's something new, it's spontaneous, it's part of the reason it's exciting. Why aren't we bringing the same excitement to sales? And yeah, we don't know what the customer is going to say. We don't know every answer that they might, uh, to the, every question they may ask. Fine. Mm-hmm. It's great. That's the situation you want to be in. You want to, you want to thrive in that type of environment. You know, I wrote about that this morning in an email just, uh, or I made yesterday about uh, just having comfort operating in an environment that's rife with ambiguity. And yeah. this is, this is what sales is and, and you need to embrace it. You know, and this yes. this idea that we can, say that everything is standardized, that the buyer has a standardized process. Well, you know, Gartner has exploded that myth with their most recent research. You know, the buyers don't have a process and the process they do have is is complex and repetitive and unpredictable and unforecastable. It's like, you, you got to get in, you got to get involved and there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and you got to be comfortable with the uncertainty mm-hmm. in order to really thrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So I, uh, I loved your story, by the way. I'm an introvert. I had a political <laughs> science degree and ended up in technology sales. So, you know, so I, I'm just, Welcome. I have a, a question. I'm curious from your perspective for those uh, in our, our uh, listening audience that are on the introverted side of the world, yet we're in this sales career where it's expected that everybody is going to be, you know, an extrovert. Uh, what what advice? Yeah, thanks, Larry. Yeah, like Larry, everyone's going to be Larry, right? Um, yet I think there's huge uh, a huge percentage of the sales population, and I would say the successful uh, successful uh, a huge percentage of the sales population is highly successful that are introverts. But sometimes we feel like fish out of water a little bit in this profession. Um, what advice would you give to to uh, somebody like ourselves? that uh, finds themselves being introverted um, in today's sales environment? Practice. <laughs> I, know, I know what you wanted to say. It was like, can I go think about that by myself? Yeah, no, no, yeah. let me go analyze that. Um, no pause button here, Andy. Well, I think that, and I'm good no, with that. Good. And I think that, that, you know, the research shows that I've on the spectrum of introversion to extroversion is, is that, about, I think, a, a sixth of the people are true introverts, a sixth are true extroverts, and everybody else is a mix called an ambivert. Um, and so, yeah, I yeah, fit somewhere somewhere on that scale. Uh, but, yeah, the only way you really, I don't say overcome it, but I, mean, I, I think a couple of things. So it's, it's one is do go out and practice, right? The more repetition you get talking to other people, just the more comfortable you become, the more second nature it becomes for you. And 
Yeah, to some degree, it's, yeah, I'm more talkative in sales than I am usually outside of sales. And it's not like I'm putting on an act. It's just, I'm in that environment. That's what I do. I'm analytical. I question. I'm curious. Um, so I think that's that's one. It's just practice, practice asking questions. Because one of the things introverts are really good at is asking questions, digging down, discovery. Mm-hmm. So play to your strengths. And that was really the second part of it is find, find what works for you. You know, again, as I mentioned earlier, there's this part of the reason sales training is, in my opinion, and opinion of many others, is, is really kind of broken these days. Is it's so much, so much trainings around a process, right? We're going to get everybody trained up to do things this way. Uh, you know, everybody's going to be Sandler. Everybody's going to be Miller-Hyman. Everybody's going to be Spin. And it's like, okay, useful that you give people a grounding. They have that basis. But everybody's an individual. And as managers, what's not happening enough today, especially, again, in the younger cohorts, is managers aren't giving their people the freedom and the guidance to go develop their individual skills and capabilities to become the best version of themselves. Hmm. And this is, this is what you have to do in sales. This is how you succeed. This is one of the fabulous things about being in this profession is there's no one right way to succeed. Mm-hmm. I succeeded in a way that's very different perhaps than other people have. Yeah, just because I'm a, I'm a unique in my outlook in life and, and the things that appeal to me and the things I think I'm good at or things I've become good at. But it was a process of discovery, it was a process of learning and, and trying lots of experimentation, trying lots of different things. Yeah, right now, if you're an SDR in a SaaS company, how many calls did you make today? That's all I want to know. How many emails? How many calls? And the, the development, the actual development of the individuals isn't very substantial. And again, something we're trying to address with the sales house is say, okay, how do, how do we develop these people? Because we have all these really talented people that aren't being given mm-hmm. this education, aren't being given this perspectives, the, the ability to think for themselves. And yeah, I had a, a woman write to me a couple weeks ago, said, she quoted, hey, we've been trained thoroughly. I think out the wazoo was the expression, but she used on this one particular sales process and sales methodology, but no one's taught us how to think in the context of sales, right? So we know this process, but we don't know how to think. Hmm. Well, that's how you succeed is how you think, right? When you encounter something new, when you encounter something unexpected, when you're in, in these chaotic, ambiguous environments, you need to be able to know how to navigate and you need to be able to know how to think for yourself and you can't rely on the process because the process doesn't map to what's happening in the actual sales world. They rarely do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, it's so interesting because you and I have even spoken about it in, you know, becoming the best version yourself. And I see it with, you know, the sales teams and the salespeople that I work with is there's so much misalignment in it and it all points back. And that's what I wrote in the first half of selling from the heart is we have to become the best versions of ourselves. I mean, we got to work on our core and, and no one's, you know, to your point is we're teaching process. And, you know, I've read all those books that you just mentioned and mm. you can always, you know, I always read a book to grab one thing out of it and I smash me it off to make the best version of me. But that's what, and I agree at the manager's level and even at the leader's level, we're not working, we're not helping salespeople become the best version of themselves and they're trying to digest, okay, is it this process? Is it this plan? It doesn't align with who I am, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, and I, <laughs> this may sound strange, but yeah, I sort of see this play out sort of in the, the blogosphere, if you will, out there, the social media world and so on is, 
is, you know, people become such uh, fanboys and fangirls of one specific person that's addressing just a tiny percent of the selling process and thinking that that's the answer to it all. Right. And, but people have to have a much broader worldview and say, look, there's, there's lots of people I need to learn from. There's lots of people that, you know, don't necessarily have the entire picture. I mean, for instance, in my work, I rarely talk about prospecting because there's a gazillion and three people out there talking about prospecting. Yeah. I, I talk very specifically about certain things in it, but if, you know, if you want to know something more about prospecting, I'll go, go talk, go listen to these other people, go follow these other people. Right. Mm-hmm. It is people have to say, look, there's just not one person I'm going to follow one methodology. I'm going to follow. It's a big world out there. I need to gather as much information as I can. As Larry, as you said, I'm going to read a book. If I get one thing out of it, if you read my books, you get more than one thing though. I promise. And, <laughs> and you get that. Good one. One, well, I mean, <laughs> Most business books, you know, it's famous. We read, we read the first 50 pages. Right. So I wrote my first book saying, no, they got to read the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so, get, you know, get one or two things out of it. Fantastic. Yeah. That's why I talk about read widely. Read, yeah. just don't focus on sales books. You know, I've read some, picked up some interesting things about sales I've written about in my daily emails just in the last couple of weeks that you know, I got from reading a biography of Ulysses S. Grant, uh, reading a book about human evolution. I mean, Things that I apply to sales. Well, and that's what's so fun about this profession, and and uh, what I what I love also about this the the heart behind the sales house is this profession, like very few others, is a profession where you have to continuously develop yourself as a person, as mm-hmm. a, you know, and and to wait for your company to do that, you know, and put that all on your company, you're selling yourself short. I mean, really, at the end of the day, if you're signing up to be a sales professional, you're signing yourself up for a process of continuous learning. And you are raising your hand and saying, I want to be somebody who is always working to improve myself. And I don't know if we talk about that enough in the sales profession, but to me, that's what I think is beautiful about this profession is we have to continuously, we get to continuously develop our interpersonal skills and develop our ourselves as human beings in a way that really no other profession requires. Yeah, no, I think that's true. But I, and I think it's, it's all in service of two things, which I think people just need to keep in mind is that it's mm-hmm. not learning for learning's sake. It's learning because you want to get better at what you do is you want to close more deals, right? You want to win more business and in the process. You want to serve your customers. Yeah. The best you can. And yeah, I, I like to lead with service because I think if you do a really great job of service, you will close more deals. Mm-hmm. You know, other people only have a slightly different way. If I can close the deal, I can serve my customer, whatever. The fact is, yeah, it's, your ability to do that is based on this idea that you're going to continuously upskill yourself, continually improve yourself, broaden the perspectives you have, understand how you can serve better. And it'd be ideal if customers took on, or excuse me, companies took on all that responsibility, but you know, it's not going to happen. I mean, it's, we'll see marginal incremental yeah. improvement in that, but it's, it's, it's still largely going to fall on you as the individual. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, and I'm curious as we wrap up today and, and what a great discussion, you know, you launched the sales house recently, which I think yes. is really brilliant. I would take a few Thank moments you. to share with us the, uh, the mindset behind that and what you're working to accomplish your vision uh, as you look forward. Cause I think our listeners would love to learn about the sales house. Well, thank you. Yeah. I don't, so, yeah, the vision was that that two things. One is that, yeah, sales training is broken. 
And actually interesting about this idea you talked about before is that that's kind of, kind of lonely out there. You know, if, if the responsibility is put on you mm-hmm. to acquire this knowledge on your own, to upskill yourself on your own, if your company's not supporting you this way, and then you're in a profession that, you know, unlike any other profession, except maybe professional sports, I mean, your, your earnings, your, uh, your livelihood itself is based on what you in particular are doing, you individually are doing. Um, yeah, we, you got to take on that responsibility. Where are you going to do that? It's kind of lonely, yeah, right? It's, it, it's lonely. So we say is you don't have to sell alone because you come in the sales house. We've got uh, live coaching, live mentoring hours every week, multiple hours of that. We've got live workshops, world-class experts. I've got a whole library of courses that I've created. What I call the nine minute sales Academy on mm-hmm. topics that are meant to, uh, really about individual small sales skills, if you will, that you can turn into habits. Because I'm infatuated with this idea that most of our behavior is is habitual. And it's the little small habits that make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so everything that we teach is in the structure of, here's the skill, now here's how you turn it into a habit. Here's a very specific, specific structure used to turn it into a habit. Um and yeah, we just, you know, we've got hundreds of hours of, of content out there in 22 different categories that people can engage in. Uh, so we've got a bunch of interesting things going to happen next year in terms of being able to provide more guided learning experiences for, for our members. So we're continually evolving it. And yeah, it's been exciting. Lots of people joining so far. Uh, we think it'd be a great resource for the community. Oh, fantastic. Wow. I, I really appreciate that. Larry, any final words? Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm looking at Larry. He's like, I got something to say. No, no. <laughs> no it's you know, I, I just I just find it fascinating that um and it was interesting because I had a conversation actually just yesterday with a salesperson here in my marketplace out here in the Los Angeles area, and I asked the person point blank, when's the last time you've invested in yourself? Mm-hmm for some sales training. And I knew the answer I was going to get, which was unfortunate, but the person said, unless my company's going to pay for it, fill in the blank. Right. Right. And and I just go, well, are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) And and it's just, but, but it's unfortunate, but salespeople want, they, they want all the rewards that come with sales Mm-hmm. But I think the first reward happens is when you invest in yourself. And yeah, it's going to cost some money, but it, you know, it, it's just a whole interesting concept, which is a topic of another podcast. But I was sitting there listening to what you're just saying, you know, Andy, about sales training, and and that's why I like the whole idea from this from about the sales house. It's not a huge monumental investment on a sales no. part. It's like you know, make a couple of veers, you know, to the right to your kitchen for coffee instead of Starbucks, and and you'll be able to probably afford it. Well, more than afford it. And, I, and your point is, is so valid because, again, the, the, we have to look at the sales profession different than other you know, white-collar work where, yeah, maybe if you are a marketing person chained to the desk and your company is wanting you to get smarter, you might say, okay, hey, you know, invest in me. And it's not like companies aren't investing in salespeople, but sales is all about going that extra mile, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, that's, that's who we're appealing to at the sales house. I mean, right. if you're... If you're happy being 80, 90% a year, year after year, then yeah, you're probably not going to be excited by the prospect of spending $45 a month 
to upskill yourself, to learn new perspectives that help you serve your customers better and close more deals and earn more money. Yeah. That may not appeal to you, but for those, those who are saying, yeah, there's things I want to accomplish in my life and in my career and for my family. And I'm in sales because it gives me the ability to achieve those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the sales house is going to be a place you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andy, thank you so much for sharing time with us today. What a great conversation. And uh, I'm it's Zero Time Selling. If you don't have that book, check it out. We'll put a link to the sales house in the show notes as well. And well, as always, yeah, I appreciate everything that you're doing. And most importantly, the passion and heart you bring to, to the sales profession. Uh, you're definitely a kindred spirit, and we appreciate that. For all of all of us, you know, this, we're coming on to the end of the year. So we're very quickly, we're going to start to take that turn to thinking about what can we do in the new year to be able to, to be better people. Well, let me just prime the pump on that. I want to throw the question out to everybody in the audience right now is what can you do? What one step can you take to, to improve yourself today? And as you look forward into 2019, what are some things practically that you can do to make sure that you're investing in yourself in the new year? I think um, that right there, if we can nail that, um, we're going to have uh, not only a great end to 2018, but 2019 is going to be our most successful and most fulfilling year ever. So mm-hmm. thank you, Andy. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. As always, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep doing the hard work, make a plan to invest in yourself. And most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.